This is Kelly. This is Jen. This is Heather. And you're listening to Whiskey Cats. <laughs> In this episode of Whiskey Cats, we discuss whiskey from the north, that's without an E. We learn about yeast, esters, and whether or not we're running out of bourbon. So what are we drinking today? Well, our pal, John Ulazic, who we have known for many years and recently moved to Canada <laughs> to be with his baby and his baby's mama. Yeah, I guess. Yay. Yay for that. Uh, he has been listening to our podcast and misses us dearly. But he feels like he, he says he feels like that he's drinking with us when he listens to our podcast, which I hope everybody does too. I feel like you should, or you were drinking with us when you uh, listen to our podcast. Because we're drinking with you. I know. I hope you are drinking with us. Don't just don't just feel like yeah, it. What, what are you doing? Go like, walk right to now bus, like, to your cabinet, <laughs> get a glass, pour some. We'll wait. Pour some whiskey in it. All right, Heather, you may go on. <laughs> so he was in town, and he called. He called us, and he was like, "Come on out. I got a Canadian whiskey for you." John told us about it when he brought it. He met us in a bar, Heather and I, Heather and me, um, and told us a little bit about it. So we're here at the back bar at Partisan slash Red Apron, and Johnny Lasik has graced us with his presence um, from Canada, and he brought us a bottle of whiskey. John, tell us what you brought us. Sit I, however you're It's a uh, Canadian whiskey from Forty Creek, and it's their Copper Pot, and... It's a bit more boozy than their regular stuff. So what is there? Where have you had this before? I'm sorry? Where have you had it? Did you have it like out in a bar and you thought, oh my God, the ladies need to try this? Like what inspired you? No, I had to experiment um, with the offerings up there. They're, they're a lot like Virginia as far as restricting the sale of alcohol. So there's not a lot of options. And most of the Canadian whiskeys kind of taste like church coffee. <laughs> just kind of weak and I don't know, kind of grandpa huh, okay. tasting. All right. So I, w- I went looking for one that was reminded me of a, a good American bourbon. All right. Well, we look forward to tasting it. I don't know a lot about Canadian whiskey. I can't say that I've. I'm yeah, sure I have I had one, but I mean, Crown Royal is Canadian, right? Isn't it fancy because it comes Isn't in that? <laughs> That's what I learned from last week. <laughs> I think that's the only Canadian whiskey that I know of. I didn't even know it was Canadian. I'm, it, I'm pretty sure. Crown. Well, it doesn't have an E, oh. so yeah. it's not American. True. I could be offending so many people right now, claiming it to be Canadian when it's maybe or maybe not. This is why we have computers. <laughs> I only know it doesn't have an E because I tweeted it earlier. <laughs> I have to look it up. <laughs> Um, anyway, Forty Creek has a lot of different brands. They've um, or a lot of uh, different versions of what they're doing. They, uh, I, I thought the one interesting thing is that their their main whiskey maker, John Hall, was um, also quoted on the uh, hang tag. Oh yeah, the he's, he's their dude. He's their dude. Mm-hmm. So he's a previous uh, winemaker. He made wine for many decades or a couple decades. It's probably not a hundred, but made wine for a couple decades. He decided to probably change uh, what he was doing and move to whiskey, and so he. So he says, likes to incorporate his wine-making knowledge into whiskey-making, whatever that means. But they have won lots of awards. 
you know, there's not like too much to learn about this. Um, it is made in a copper pot, which they think, um, I don't even remember why they said that. It's made in a copper pot for some reason. Deeper profile. A lot of buzzwords on this, you know, deep, deeper, richer profile. Blah, blah, blah. So, but it's got, it's a, you know, it's a nice Aged pot. to perfection. Nice. It's, I think copper, it's very, label. Um, it's a very dark bottle, so you can't actually see the, the liquid. Um, the label is copper pot, very coppery. Autumn, autismal looking. <laughs> yes. Um, which, which, based on um, the tasting notes, which maybe I won't read quite yet, would make sense. I think it's just going to have a little bit of a deeper taste than what we're normally used to. Um, when I when I first saw this on your shelf sitting there, I thought, um, misreading Copper Pot, I thought it was a coffee liqueur. Oh, yeah, it does. Well, right? they, make, they make a coffee liqueur. Oh, so oh. interesting. Mm. Hmm. Um, should I read this little hang tag thing? It's just a quote from the whiskey maker. Yeah. Is like, it terrible? I... Well, <laughs> Let's find out. <laughs> so it says, presenting my copper pot reserve. Forty Creek Copper Pot is made in the same award-winning style as Barrel Select. The difference, Forty Creek Copper Pot is amped up in flavor, buzzwords, <laughs> delivering a bolder and richer taste profile and is bottled at 43% alcohol per volume to complement the depth of flavors. Depth so, of flavors. Buzzword, buzzword. I gotta buzzword, tell you though, buzzword. amped up isn't even a whiskey buzzword. That's like a Bud Light buzzword. Like, <laughs> we really amped it up this time. <laughs> Get amped up while you watch your NASCAR. <laughs> and that was a, a a direct quote from John K. Hall, their whiskey maker, mm. which I find an interesting um, title versus like master distiller. Mm. Yeah. I think that's not there. I'm sorry, what are you... I was just showing you the, the cream, oh, the the cream liqueur oh. with, like, chocolate. Oh, that looks good. I know that label. I, I think that's that. why. Yeah. Okay. We're looking at their website, and it's uh, incredibly smooth and yummy. <laughs> it's what they Canadians. <laughs> but they won tons of awards. It's like, I don't know what these... Uh, you know, this sounds made up. Gold medal Wizards of Whiskey Awards. <laughs> so that sounds made up. Beverage Tasting Institute, San Francisco World Spirits Competition, Canada Whiskey Awards. Oh, they won the Sippin' Whiskey of the Year at the Canada Canadian Whiskey Awards. Sippin' Whiskey. I mean in Canada. Session Whiskey. According to John, <laughs> Canadian whiskey is not all that. So maybe it doesn't take a lot. But maybe this is amazing whiskey yeah. that we're going to love. All right. Well, let's give it a try. So we have a we have new glasses this time, which Jen bought us because of the horrible fiasco last time when we ran out of glasses. <laughs> so now we have we have the whole bar. Yeah, the whole bar is stocked with glasses now. They're very so cute. That's I like them a lot. Yeah, they're super cute, right? All right. God, I love that sound. I love that I have to highly recommend IKEA for tasting glasses because you can get six for like three bucks. Yeah. So we've outfitted our podcast. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you guys. <laughs> so, so the smell is like it's sweet up it's front. It's creme brulee smell. Yeah. And I'm, I'm super like I sweet mapley. Creme brulee that's maybe like been in the fridge for a week. <laughs> Creme brulee that's been in the fridge and it's like one in the morning and you're like, mm, I just want something yeah. sweet. And you open <laughs> so the fridge and then you put it in your face. That's what it smells yeah. like. But it does have that, uh, it has a bit of a dairy flavor to it. Right, and then there's some like acidic notes. Well, you can tell it's alcohol. Yeah. I'm taking a sip. Wow. Huh. Very mild. Not what I expected. Not what I expected either. No. It's very mild in taste. I think mm-hmm. it did have a little bit of a burn to it, but mm-hmm. the taste is... 
It's very sweet. I also burned my tongue recently, so that might be... <laughs> so, I did not... I have an unburnt tongue. <laughs> and I will say that um, it's very light. It doesn't linger at all for no. me. No, not at all. It's, it's, it, it's like they're, they're gone, gone in the flesh. Yep. And, I mean, it's not a bad... I mean, it's a fine flavor, but it's very... Well, I think even for the bite, it's not a um, it's not a throat burning at all. It didn't mm-hmm. even reach that far. It, mm-hmm. it was literally the tip of my tongue yep. that I felt the little bit of. And I also think I'm more sensitive to it than you are. Like my tongue always, I like I burn my tongue on like you know <laughs> warm milk or something. Like Heather <laughs> well, has a sensitive tongue. I do have a sensitive Noted. tongue, but it was like the tip of my tongue, and then it's gone. I've, I mean, it's so mild. If you if you were not particular about your whiskey flavor and you just wanted as we've discussed before a session whiskey yeah i would say this is definitely a sip and whiskey like this is a you could probably go you could go for for a while what is the only 43 percent apv yeah Yeah, you can take you can tell but Um, this would be very good if you're if this is meant for like a coffee you know mm -hmm, liqueur mm -hmm. type beverage um or a hot toddy. Yeah. Because it would impart the flavor without overwhelming your tea. Yeah. It's it's interesting that it it is sweet, so it almost I, almost tricks you that it's like, hey, I'm a bourbon. Oh, no, never mind. No, yep. I'm not. Because it's just, it doesn't hold anything. Anything. <laughs> I will say, so I, I the reason I didn't read the tasting notes is because I think they kind of ruin you if you read them beforehand. And I did read them beforehand. And the one, well, I think, predominant flavor they talk about is toffee. And especially to me, toffee is a really strong, like, mm-hmm. just in general, it's a mm-hmm. really strong flavor. And that's the that's the only thing I taste is um, a bit of a toffee. Because it's got that, it's a little bit of a sweetness, but it's it's like a, it's like a not quite right sweetness, mm-hmm. which is what toffee is to me. Yeah, I would say this is um, light, not offensive, but not compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not necessarily like going to read. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> you know Heather. Can I have some of the oldest rocks on the earth? Okay, we can talk about that on geology podcast. <laughs> geology cats. Oh my god. <laughs> Makes a note. We are booked. We are booked on projects. We are, we are booked on projects. Um, no, it's true. I I can kind of see why this is a this is a Canadian a solid Canadian whiskey. And, Ooh, you know, so more uh, cold weather whiskey. Like, I would drink this more when it was chilly. I think because I would drink it in a hot drink. See, I... That's interesting that you say that. To me, this is hot weather whiskey because when it's cold and you I just want to drink a whiskey, I want something lingering and burny. Oh, well, but I, in, I mean in a drink. In a drink. I in wouldn't a drink, just, I'll give you. Yeah, yeah. So it's a hot beverage whiskey. Yes, this feels like a, pour your coffee, pour some coffee liqueur, pour some whiskey, pour some... Coffee, coffee. Yes. Drink that shit up. Put some whipped cream on top. When your mother is here, can she make us Irish coffees using this? I think she'd can- probably love to do that. Canada <laughs> Irish whiskey? Can- Canadian Irish whiskeys? There are many... Coffees? There are many uh, Irish people in Canada. I mean, it's, ni- it's nice. The toffee is definitely there. Like... So, so should I read it now or just tell you what it says? What they yeah. think it's... Yeah. So they say toffee, nuts, and spice, dried stone fruits... Like peaches? So they, you know, that's the thing. They don't, they're like, whatever stone fruits we got lying around in the backyard, I guess. In Canada. <laughs> yeah. And so stones. that's, a, that's so what they mean is stones. Full bodied, which I think is wrong. 
full bodied yeah. with a rich brown spice notes. No, not not spice. Brown sugar. I taste brown sugar. Maybe brown mm-hmm. sugar, but I don't. I wouldn't qualify brown sugar as a brown spice. Brown spice. No, because that's um, like cumin and cinnamon and no. And hints of marmalade. I haven't had marmalade in a long time. I mean, it's an orangey flavor. We can have different types of marmalade, though. It's not necessarily orange marmalade. Oh, really? I guess yeah. I've only had or- I thought orange marmalade was marmalade. Sweet baby. Marmalade. Is there other types of marmalade? Like, what I don't a- think you can make anything out of marmalade. What's a- what does marmalade mean? <laughs> it's a type of jam. <laughs> oh, so it means jam? It's like it's like the UK I- jam. It's always citrus. So you could do lemon marmalade. Oh. Kumquat, lemon, lime, grapefruit, mandarin, sweet orange, bergamot, and other citrus fruits, or any combination thereof, according to Wikipedia. The benchmark citrus fruit for marmalade production in Britain is the Spanish Seville orange, prized for its high pectin content, which gives a good set. So, oh, marmalade is just... Marmalade is distinguished from jam by its fruit peel. Yes, I did know that. Uh, so that's oh, the key. It, puts it, in that, right, right, right. it includes okay. it. So maybe that's why it's a little more bitter. Okay. And I guess I just associate it with orange, but it's citrus is basically citrus and uh, including the peel. So we're just adding water to this, and um, it removes the dairy flavor a bit. I think. On the nose, yeah. It enhances it on the nose for me. I I think it does, too. I mean, I'm not a, you know, I Mm -hmm. dislike dairy smells. Oh, all I can think of is dairy now. Ah. (laughs) I mean, Mm -mm. there wasn't a lot of flavor before, but that just washed it all out. I don't know if this is psychosomatic because we were just talking about dairy, but I drink that right now with the water in it. And I, it tastes like I'm drinking, um, like a coffee creamer. No, 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 no. Drink it again and wash your wash your mind out first. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna drink not, this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna drink this water. I'm gonna veto that first taste. <laughs> Maybe I need some four roses. <laughs> I mean, when do we need some four roses? Should we just? I mean, we have a bunch. I mean, we, we have it. Control? Oh my god! Small batch or single, single barrel, barrel, please. <laughs> I mean, if it's there, and I and my palate is disrupted. Here, just cleanse your palate with this four roses, please. <laughs> Thank you, Hedda. Oh. <laughs> you know, girls gotta do. <laughs> Very similar in color. You poured water it, in it. Yeah. Oh, so that's can, right. You the can Canadian see the, is a little lighter, though. That's well, I think it's because of the water. Yeah. yeah. So I think they would be similar in color if I didn't pour the water in it. Whoa. Gosh. <laughs> so good. We got to stop this until they, like, agree to a sponsor. <laughs> I mean, it's boo, uh, four roses. Like, like, no, 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 that's what we got. Four roses later. <laughs> I mean, that is. Okay. So, okay, I've had a little single barrel. Let me compare. I, I do not want water in that. I just can't. I can't get rid of that creamy. For me, the water really enhances the creamy taste in the in the Canadian. Hmm. I don't. In the don't, Forty Creek. I don't think it does. I really think it. Uh, I think it just it gets it, rid of it on the nose and in the flavor. I, I think it just completely washes it of any flavor whatsoever. 
It's like the barley water of the non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it makes it better. I do. No, I, I think, I, I think it, it does gets, not yeah. make it better. I mean, better. I think it gets rid of the dairy, but I think it, um, it's just, it's fine. It's fine. That's how I feel about it. It's totally fine. It's like, if you gave that to me, I would totally drink it and not think it, I would not remember it later, I think is. I have to try it straight again. It is a very unremarkable, forgettable whiskey. Mm-hmm. Unlike John Ulasek, who's an <laughs> unforgettable guy. <laughs> All right, so. Thanks, John. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks John. John. I hope you're drinking this while you listen to us. We miss you. Yeah, we're sipping away. Mm. It's It wins our sipping award for this evening. <laughs> <laughs> it wins our favorite sipping Canadian whiskey award. <laughs> we will continue to drink it is basically the, we the will. short. We will continue to talk <laughs> yep. and drink. And drink. <laughs> do. My dad used to work as a diesel mechanic in Chicago, and every Christmas he would get bottles of Canadian Club given to him by people. But he doesn't drink hard liquor, so they always sat in the basement. And when I got into high school, I started dumping out some of the, um, some of the whiskey from the bottles and filling them up with water. And, uh, you know, taking the whiskey with me off to, to a party or something but years later my dad I was, I was heading out to a party and my dad said hey you, you know if you want to take a bottle of that whiskey down there uh, that'd be fine to the party and so I grabbed a bottle of Canadian Club and went to a party and poured myself a bottle or, or a glass and then um, took a swig of it and it was water <laughs> so like my earliest whiskey <laughs> memories came back to haunt me you in the science corner please do yes can i make the sound (laughs) i should probably come up with an actual tune for that but right now i'm just gonna make beeps i kind of like that the the (laughs) The tune change every time when i try it for the voice that's what i'm gonna do (laughs) (laughs) more chairs (laughs) science corner (laughs) you're gonna be on blake's team it's gonna be amazing (laughs) okay we digress okay so uh in the last live recording that we did a couple weeks ago we talked about yeast and what what is this thing about different yeasts that make different flavors happen in a whiskey so i did a little research and okay so yeast are unicellular fungi so single celled fungus is what they are wait let's back up a minute yeah where would you use yeast in the whiskey making process they do the fermenting okay they make the alcohol so um So what they do is they take, you add yeast to whatever sort of carbonate material, carbonate, carbohydrate material that you have. So corn, barley, whatever. And what they, and to ferment it, they basically eat it. They eat all the sugars, devour the sugars, and then produce, you know, they burp out the byproduct. 
The alcohol. The alcohol. So they, they, they make little ethanols and esters. And it turns out that the yeast is like... Ye- different yeast will produce different esters, but it's the esters that make the flavor. Hmm. It's not actually the yeast. It's the esters that they produce. And so certain yeasts are really good at producing certain esters, right? So an ester is basically just like a little molecule, a little chemical compound that has little bonds of OHs, oxygen and hydrogen, and they replace some of the OHs with Os, and that makes alcohol, and it makes different flavors. So depending on how the Os and the Hs are bonded together, they make different flavors, right? So I had I looked up some of these. So they have these crazy names like allele hexanate, that is pineapple flavor. Mm. And ethyl lactate is the creamy flavor, probably. I'm getting a lot of ethyl lactate, lactate in this fucking Forty Creek. And uh, Want me to pour you some more? No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe later, because I have this four roses right here. And um, methyl anthranolate, anthranolate is jasmine flavor. Hmm. So, so what happens, right? The yeast sort of, you, if you're making bourbon, right, you add a bunch of corn and a bunch of yeast, and you mix them together. And at just the right temperatures and just the right amount of time, the yeast are going to eat away at that corn and generate sort of like burp out these esters. And different yeasts are good at making different esters, right? So like the so baking yeasts that you usually use, if you've ever made bread, you've probably used a baking yeast. And they're super aggressive because you want to sort of like carbonate the dough. You want to ge- generate a lot of gas really fast as fast as possible. Um, but brewing yeast, like in a beer, they're kind of slow and they, they produce fewer kind of like random flavors. They're very flavor specific. Um, and they're really good at tolerating high alcohol content. So different ones. So each, so every yeast has a very specific temperature that it likes to be at and a very specific time that it will eat stuff um, to produce certain flavors. And so there are like whole catalogs of these yeasts that you can buy that are known to like, if you let it go for this long, it'll make this flavor. If you let it go for this long, it'll make this flavor. Hmm. Um, Would you say yeasts are living? Yeah, they're little. They're little cell. They're single-celled organisms. They're eukaryotes. They're they have you know they have a nucleus and a mitochondria and they live. And if that's if they're at too high a temperature, I mean, if you're so I'm a baker, right? So I've known this for a long time. If you keep them way too hot, if you add water. To, you know, you're making a dough and you add water that's way too hot, you will kill all the yeast and you will not make any bubbles in your bread. None of your, your bread won't rise. It will die. It's the same thing if you're brewing or if you're distilling. So in the catalogs, right, you can choose, choose by yeast and it'll tell you kind of what esters it'll produce. And it'll tell you, will it tolerate high alcohol content, right? Um, how good is the ester production? Will it also make sulfur so some yeasts while they're eating will like burp out sulfur which is really bad it will make your flavor really bad um but some people it's like the rotten egg flavor it's the rotten egg right sulfur mm-hmm. is like the rotten egg flavor and then there are things that while you're while you're making your your whiskey whatever it is if you don't say you're trying to use a bunch of different yeasts they all like certain temperatures and certain amounts of time to be with their their food mm-hmm. And if you're trying to blend them too early on, like if you just throw a bunch of yeast in together, it gets really confusing. So like sometimes you won't leave the yeast in long enough. Um, and so they won't eat all of the sugars. So say you're making a whiskey and like 
you've strained out the grain and you taste the wash that's come out of that first, like you've, you've let it ferment for a while, you strain out the grain, you drink that first, you take a sip of that first thing. If it's too sweet, you probably haven't given the yeast enough time to eat everything. And so it hasn't really been able to convert all the stuff it wants to convert. So it's going to eat the sugars out of it. Yeah, it wants to eat the sugars. But if you taste it and it's super dry and it's like not sweet at all, say you're aiming for a bourbon and you're like, whoa, this is way too dry. It probably ate through all of the sugars and it ate through all of the esters too. Like, oh, and so wait, so it goes back and eats. It'll go back and stuff eat that it has right because out. it's still organic material. Yeah, it's kind of gross. Green. I've been saying burped because I don't want to say pooped, yeah. but that's basically what's happening. Okay, <laughs> that's what you're saying. They're they're greedy little bastards. They are greedy little bastards, but they let. But there's a sweet spot for each one. So when you buy, well, they want yeast, to live. If you only put them in this container and that's <laughs> right. all their food, they're like, we're just gonna eat what's there. We're you know? just gonna eat what's there. Exactly. And so, so there's the sweet sweet spot for each one, and it's a, it, there's like a temperature at a time, and then a little flavor profile of which little molecules it will make, like little uh, little eukaryote Goldilocks. Like I'm a single celled <laughs> thing, and I like this very specific temperature and time, and I will make you this flavor if you treat me well. That's so it's, kind a, of it's a balance of like volume of both the grain and the yeast. Temperature and time. Temperature and time, right? Mm-hmm. And the yeast, you know, that you can you can choose all these different yeast strains, these different sort of species. But really, the key is the esters. It's not even really the yeasts that are giving the flavor. But the it's esters, the esters the poop, that they right? make. Yeah, okay. the esters, the poop. So, but but that's the time, right? That's the time and temperature is what makes the poop. But also the species. Well, yes, yes, but I mean. The quantity. Right. The quantity. So I want a super sweet pineapple-y flavored bourbon, which why would you do that? But maybe you do. I don't know. Who knows? I'd drink it. Yeah, sounds great. I'd bake bake it into something. (laughs) Yeah, once. I'd make a cocktail out of that. Yeah, totally. And and so you you get the right yeast, you give it the right amount of time at the exact right temperature, and it will give you what you want. Okay. But it's a very specific sign. So anyway, it uh, it was interesting. I didn't realize how how many different esters there were to make all the flavors. And uh, it was really interesting. I could probably, I also ordered a book about <laughs> yeast and esters so that I can learn more and I will not ramble. We need to start our whiskey it, book clubs. I was actually yeah. thinking about that recently. We got to read a book soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can read oh, yeast with me. It is called, <laughs> it is titled yeast. I am probably not going to read that one. I will let you explain it to me, but I will do um, like book reports. So everyone will read their own individual book. Can I make a poster? <laughs> like a trifold poster board? Yes. Amazing. A, a diorama, if you want. Ooh. <laughs> so in the distillery, yeah. like you're, so a lot of times, like you'll see the grain is on the ground waiting to whatever. I don't really know what it's ever doing on the ground. Waiting to get raked up or filtered or something. Yep. And then it's in the big um, canisters and then it's in the barrels. So this is like when... It's in, like, where the canisters. Yeah, in the canisters. But nothing's yep. happening to it. It's not being, like, boiled or anything. It's just no, well, it's sitting just there sitting, letting the yeah. yeast... But kept, not boiled, but kept at a, a temperature. temperature. Yeah. And so you 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 mix everything together. You've got a little bit of water. You've got a little bit of grain. You've got a little bit of yeast. Again, it's very similar to a bread. Um, and you let it hang out there and give it enough time to work its way through and make all those esters that you want. And then you strain off the solid... And you're left with, you know, ethanol, which is the alcohol, the esters, which are the flavor, and a little bit of water, and then you age that. 
And then you add the other thing that adds the flavor, of course, is like if you age it in a barrel, what does that do? But esters and barrel are basically the two main flavor givers to any of the whiskeys. Wait, so when do you do the distilling of it? Before, after. Oh yeah, in between, before the aging. Sorry. Oh, yeah. So you, so you, you take, you let the yeast do its thing. You let the yeast do the thing. You strain the off pot. the solids, mm-hmm. then you distill that down. Yeah. So okay. you get rid of the kind of poison mm-hmm. that has also been created during this process of yeast eating and, and just like the alcohol. alcoholic poison. Yep. <laughs> yep. So you make the the fast death poison go away. The tasty and the poison. Slow death poison <laughs> stays behind. <laughs> Maybe, maybe that's not the way we want to phrase it, but it's accurate. <laughs> right. Our, our livers are like, yes, yes. 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 <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Um, right. So it's in that process. So the esters come come through. They're, they're, they're put there right at the fermentation, right at the very early stage. But when the grain is separated, when the solids are separated out, the esters are carried through all the way. All right. So your flavor is made, your your most fundamental flavor, other than the barrel aging, is made right there. With the yeast. With the yeast. And so you can combine yeast, too, which is what we were talking about with the Four Roses, is that they would combine, like some of them, I think it was the single barrel that they used just one yeast strain, but at the mm-hmm. um, the small batch, they use a couple... Different ones, yeah. And their yellow label, they mm-hmm. use like eight different kinds. Right. Well, and so, so you this, can mix and match. Right, and well, this is what was, was interesting to me, is that I, you know, you can't... In my mind, you like took all the yeasts and mushed them all together. Like, I here are my five yeasts that I want to combine. Mm. And in my head, I was like, I just throw them all together with the grain and let them ferment. But each of those yeasts has a specific temperature that mm. it likes to be at and mm-hmm. time mm. at which it works. Well, does that change when they're mixed, though? Yes, because they're still little individual organisms. Well, I mean, so, but does it change? So... What I'm saying is, like, does it change? Like, do they become a different thing when they're all together? No. Okay. So, so how do you I think that so. So I think what they and this is a, this is what I don't what I couldn't quite figure out is whether you, if I have these five yeasts I want to use, from a science perspective, I would I would add them to five separate mm-hmm. batches of grain mm-hmm. and then pull off the grain and then combine everything because you want to keep each of these five barrels, Distinctive these five flavors, five, that they're you know, containers, get. right. You want to keep them separate because I want, mm-hmm. you know, if yeast A wants to be at 115 degrees for, for <clears throat> two weeks, but yeast B wants to be at 140 degrees for five weeks, I can't put them in the same mm-hmm. mash because one of them is going to die. Or one of them is going to eat too much, or one of them isn't going to eat enough, and so or you or you factor for that and say, well, if I combine them all together, when like maybe I want one to die earlier than the next. Well, I that's mean, possible too. Yeah, but I think I think you're kind of playing with fire because it like you're saying it's the same. I mean, you know, you do it once and you figure out what happens. Right, right? you figure out what happens. Yeah, but yeah, but you do one or the other, right? You either do five different grains right and, and let then the yeast do the work and then combine them. them or you do them together and make some calculation as to like that's the recipe you want right it's gonna die earlier than it might otherwise if you just left it by itself but that's okay because i want that flavor right i mean that seems like a dangerous game to me yeah. because how do you know yeah unlike small business small batch alcohol manufacturing right yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway it's a, it's an interesting i think that we will probably have more yeast updates as I learn more about yeast while I read the book yeast. I've also <laughs> never said the word yeast so much in my life. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's totally interesting. And I had not really ever put together like 
all these different species and what flavors they make. And it makes me want to, you know, I bake a lot and I, and I, now I kind of want to go try all these different yeasts and see yeah. how what they impart different flavors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's next on my. Have you seen list. where you can buy them? Like, oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> I have, um, I have, have carts. Have I? I have <laughs> online carts waiting to go <laughs> for all these yeasts that I'm like, what is my 2015 baking experiment? Because I don't have enough to do this year. Oh boy. I would like to add this baking experiment on top of it. And so... Um, you make all the things, I'll write a book. It'll be cool. Awesome. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> Done. All right. So that's uh, that's my... That's a science corner for, for Whiskey Cats. Excellent. So um, my Whiskey News actually uh, bookends really nice yeah. your yeast and esters <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I just want to count how many times I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It is really our own personal, really warped drinking game sorry. that we play here. <laughs> whiskey cats. Sorry, Kelly. <clears throat> so there's a really long read in, um, that's actually not a super long read, but it's a long read in Wired called This Guy Says He Can Make 20 Year Old Rum in Six Days. Well, the headline seems to have nothing to do with whiskey. He's not doing it in space, is he? He is not doing it in space. <laughs> Just check it. So, oh God. More space whiskey. Or rum. Space rum. Um, so, uh, you know, we talked recently about how you um, rapidly age whiskeys, and there's, like, a lot of different people who are trying to figure it out. And basically, this, this guy goes into um, as far as he can in terms of what he's willing to disclose because he's trying to get a patent of how he's able to age um his rum distillate in six days to taste like it's aged 20 years in a barrel what? um and so this guy brian davis he um used to he started out distilling absinthe in spain and then eventually moved to the u.s and he actually um, founded lost spirits and they're known for mostly their um big peaty flavor whiskeys the leviathan um hmm. lots of people like really love it because they're like peat heads or whatever you know they really love the smoke and so they're mostly known for that um but then he started experimenting with not necessarily whiskey but also rum um to try and really speed up the aging process because as we know it just takes a long time and a long um a lot of barrels and just a lot of capital and it cannot be emphasized enough a lot of time (laughs) to age whiskey um, in barrels or age any type of um, distillate in barrels, and especially if you're going to go after the taste and flavor of something in five years, 10 years, 20 years in the barrel. So basically what he has come up with is he started um, experimenting and he found that um, what he calls in 2010, he first started experimenting in 2008, I believe the article states, but in 2010, he had this like breakthrough about forced oak catalyzed esterification. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like science. <laughs> First of all, forced oak, what does that even mean? Esterification is amazing. That was like, what does that, that mean? That, that was the oh. <laughs> so going back to the two different flavors with the esters, with the yeast. Yeah is what you get from the yeast, but then also then the flavoring from the barrels. So 
there's so they found that there's two different processes there. So there's what he calls the extraction is the taste that you get from the barrel, what it flavors yep. and interacts with the distillate in the barrel. Mm-hmm. And then there's the esterification, which is the esters and giving the flavor. Oh, esterification. Mm-hmm. All right. To the that, that's a new word for me, ester. ester. Yeah, I just okay. I just learned it today as well. Um, but he was saying that within this process, this esterification process, that is the flavors that you that are responsible for the classic notes of an aged spirit so he focused on his chemistry around the esters and getting the flavoring around aged spirits with particular esters just and, the esters. and manipulating the chemistry in those esters wait wait wait, so, wait, wait. okay so many questions yeah <laughs> okay let me just first go say ahead, ahead, that yes. that the most i think a tangible thing for listeners too is that esters are what make perfume. They are aromatics. They yes. are the things that make things smell. That's an ester. So my question is, if if the if the esters are what the yeast makes in the initial process before it's aged, yeah. So the aging, it's it's the ester. Okay, the aging is changing the esters. Is that what it's changing? I think that's what he's saying. Is that okay. there's that while they're, I think the longer that they're left to just like be the more that they're going to not only interact with the barrel, but also just have an extended. See, I want to know how they interact. So I don't, I don't know. So Mm. again, Mm -hmm. inorganic rock chemist, not organic (laughs) chemist, but what I envision from my reading. So this is not about Kelly's forced Oak aging flavor thing, but say you have a, so, so, so you start with an ester and an ethanol, right? They're all like O's and H's bonded together in different ways. And then, so that's an organic molecule that has the flavor, say like the pineapple flavor, right? Just because it's at the top of my list. If you sit that in a barrel, that little molecule is going to react with this wood that is also an organic thing. And so somewhere those there, it's going to bond, it's going to interact with that material and add some flavor i don't know that it's changing the flavor of the ester it's just in this fluid that is most like it's mostly water right it's water and it's ethanol you've got this this little pineapple flavored molecule and then you're also adding as the as the liquid interacts with the wood these wood flavored molecules together which add to the flavor that's how i understand that's my question that's my question is that does it change the ester or does it change the other liquid in the barrel i think it changes the other liquid in in the article it says new make distillate is distinguished by short chain molecules called carboxylic esters and short chain fatty acids Mm -hmm. and an unaged whiskey these have aromas that include overripe fruit and paint thinner and vinegar. Drinkable, but rarely, rarely worth savoring by the fire. Still, you need these chemicals to start with because the interaction between these compounds and the wood and barrels results in two processes, extraction and esterification. Um, much as it sounds, extraction involves the pulling of new chemicals from oak, including phenol, benzoic acid, and vanillin. When you taste notes of sod, wood, burnt, toast, smoke, or vanilla in a whiskey, it's largely due to the extraction of these compounds from the barrel. Literally, aldehydes and phenols leaching into your drink. So it's additive. It's It's not additive. Okay. So, right. So, and it could be, so I'm just showing, I'm showing these guys the diagrams of these things, right? So, so here's the pineapple little molecule. (laughs) Beep, boop, boop, beep, beep, boop, boop. (laughs) And then... 
you can attach one of these to it and it may mm-hmm. change the flavor or they're just in the same they're in the same place yeah because when you attach it to it that does change it the does molecule. change that, the molecule. that's what i'm asking is so i'm it sure actually, like changes the molecule so that has yes. to happen in some cases so because that's says, just nature yeah. but but yeah but so like you've got this and then your wood one of these like even has a wood thing so it just like poof, adds into the Adds into the mix. So you've got all this like interacting really, together. It changes the whole idea of aging if aging is additive and not like evolution, you know? Don't well, you think? I, that's, Didn't, don't you always think of aging as evolution? As a changing of the molecules that are in there? No. I don't think I've ever thought about it. I, I have. And I, to me, it's additive. To me, I think of it as additive. To me, I think about... But don't you think it's like aging is like anything aging? Like you st- sitting there aging, like no offense, but like your <laughs> body is changing, right? It's it's evolving. But I'm I mean, not, not evolving, but evol- I mean as in like... But, I'm, just, but, because the, but one of the ways that I'm evolving... It's hard for me to talk yeah. about my... You can talk about me. No, 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 no. <laughs> you, you the, aging. The way a, the way a, an alcohol ages in a barrel, I could make an analogy to like me me aging in relation to like sunlight, right? And the way mm-hmm. that sunlight damages mm-hmm. my skin. Mm-hmm. The way I think about it in a barrel is that that and I could be wrong, but this is the way I've always envisioned it: is that as this surface where the liquid is in contact with the wood, it's making all these reactions happen because it's it's this liquid in contact with this yeah. organic solid and it's pulling stuff out of the wood into the liquid. Okay, That's I how like it reacts and it adds, it adds flavor, it adds character to the liquid by interacting. But the re- That's what I'm saying. The interacting, the reaction with the wood is... It, that's a different chemical process than pulling it out. No, no, but... It's not like the washing machine method, right? Where they're just, like, squishing and squishing and squishing and, like, getting it out. But but it's not just because... So say you have this liquid that's touching a wall mm-hmm. of a barrel. Not every part of that liquid is going to interact with that barrel. Mm-hmm. Only the the chemical parts of that liquid that are interested in interacting with that wood or that have the capacity to, like, take on... a an, an element or something from that barrel mm-hmm. will care. And so it's not that the whole, everything in the liquid is, is paying attention to what's happening over here on this tiny side of the barrel. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I do know what you mean. I guess I didn't, I didn't really think of the whole, cause you're right. It's not like it's being turned around or anything, but I did. So I guess maybe I was thinking of a combination that it was like now that you say that, you're right. That I was thinking of a combination that the that the liquid that is near the wood is interacting with the wood, like literally interacting and changing because it's near the wood, and then that was like, uh, you know, it's mixing with the rest of the whiskey in the barrel, and so it makes the barrel as a whole a different thing because of the surface area that's touching the wood. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Yeah, I do know what you mean. I think I picture it instead of it's not just a liquid that's interacting. Mm-hmm. It's a liquid that's made of all these different components. Only certain components care. Like, yeah. you know, you, it's not a homogenous thing. It's like, it's like there's this organic stuff and there are these sulfury things and there are these mineral things. And, and, and so it's not as straightforward as, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I, I try to picture what happens in there and I, it makes me want to go get another fucking degree, you know? Like, <laughs> I feel like this is like the way we were disagreeing with words last time, and then eventually we're saying came, the same and then thing. eventually came to the same point. It's like now, the more that we talk, I feel like we're saying the same, same thing. thing. But I we're know. Describing it in different ways. So anyway.
Anyway, sorry. Anyway, sorry, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Let us argue semantics for another 20 minutes. corner. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Basically, what Brian Davis has done is he's he's been able to shorten the esterification time with this thing called a, he's made a reactor. Mm. Um, and there's like lots of words like model one or things like that in this article about making that happen within this reactor where he's able to shorten the esterification time that usually takes 10, 20 years down to only six days. Mm -hmm. And he's saying that the people who have tried his age spirit is that they cannot tell the difference between something aged in a barrel versus something that has been chemically altered within his six-day process. Oh. Wow. So it it's amazing because not only crazy, it only takes six days, but it opens up this world for especially craft distillers who don't have the time yeah. or the capital to spend to wait to get into the market. Right, or the space to like store all these things. Yeah. I thought you were going to steal my idea because what it makes me think is that we are that much closer to Star Trek replicators where we can just be like, I need whiskey. <laughs> me <laughs> i mean that's what we're doing right like we're figuring out how um like natural processes from you <laughs> that's only the second star trek replicator joke I've made this week, so. <laughs> but how how we figure out man-made ways to replicate natural processes right like mm-hmm. the aging thing is particularly just has this sci-fi element to it because it has that sort of personal like who can defy aging, right? Like, that is sort of a, a godly thing to kind of um, try to do. It's a, I mean, this is like a very minor part of it, but it's, I think that's that's interesting. But doesn't this make so, you want... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, so there is limits. So he's only been able to um, do up to 20-year aging. And I, and I forget exactly the technical reasons why they, they stated in the article, but um, he he's not able to age beyond twenty a 20-year flavor. But I mean, you know, I isn't there know something... I mean, I don't know that this will ever reach the replicator take over the world status because <laughs> isn't there something kind of magical about buying a bottle that you know came from a barrel that was sitting in the same like fucking part of Scotland for 16 years before they put it in shipped it over? I mean, there's something Yeah, I think yeah. there's if you want to represent the hipster contingent of that, you absolutely can. Girl. <laughs> about aged whiskey before those hipsters could even grow a fucking mustache all right so so he definitely makes the point in the article that there's sorry in an industry sort of rife with um sub subterfuge and like yeah. you know like the Johnny Drum thing we read about it's all like contrived histories and what Johnny Drum was contrived <laughs> what <laughs> let's not get into it working together yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. we're getting letters <laughs> <clears throat> is that he's he's he acknowledges that and that this has this technology has the potential to sort of perpetuate that sort of endlessly within the industry and right. so he says as long as he's holding the 
the patent and it's still like in the US patent system to be approved or whatnot. He wants to be very transparent with, with what he makes personally. Um, but he's like, I can't, you know, once I don't own the patent and people start making their own, he's like, I can't claim, mm-hmm. you know, right. vouch for them. And I mean, what if, you know, if it tastes good, you know, who are we to be judgy right. bitches I would also about it? But like to buy it, and I haven't read this whole article, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I would like to buy this guy a drink just for not using the word disruptor. The, no, there, there was none. All there right, none. cheers to It's not disruptive then. technology. <laughs> there's, there's no, no, no use of the term <laughs> disrupting. So, because yes. that's where that was going. It, yeah. it was. Yeah. It definitely was. Um, well, that's interesting. He that's... did talk about like one other, one other um, tes- terrorist. Oh my god, T E R R E S S E N T I A. Terrestrial. Yeah. Terrestrial. Yeah. Which uses ultrasound and oxygenation to purportedly induce the induction of long chain esters like Davis. So it's, there's there's other people trying <clears throat> to test tube whiskey. Yeah, exactly, test tube whiskey. So it's another company trying to do the same thing. There's you know again like we we've seen in the Kings County book that Buffalo Trace is trying to again also um, experiment and try to um, shorten their aging time. So I think everyone getting into the game right now, or even long term uh, distillers, are trying to just hurry up their aging. Process. Right. It's all about speeding chemical <laughs> reactions. Like we did this, you know, in the lab. So I used to work at the library of Congress in a lab that cared a lot about how, how stuff gets old and what happens to it as it gets old. And it's hard to study something like, I wonder what will happen to this in a hundred years. Well, we need to figure out ways to sort of accelerate the aging process. And mm-hmm. so there are like whole schools of thought on accelerated aging. It's like a whole subdiscipline, And a lot of it has to do with like agitating stuff. So you'd put stuff in like an ultrasonic, shaker that like makes the vibration so fast that like it basically abrades something really fast. Ohio whiskey that we talked about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, was that the washing machine one? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like turning up the heat. I mean, there are mm-hmm. all these ways to kind of do that. It's just that when you're dealing with live organic stuff, like the yeasts, you know, there's only so much agitation and high heat that you can give them before they, they stop working. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's interesting. It's interesting that they're thinking. Well, about there's this. two questions, yeah. right? There's questions like on the, on the, actual taste basis like does it work yeah. does it actually taste right and then um well like let's be honest there's the pr where like will people want to drink it because it's like do you want your whiskey charming or do you want your whiskey in front of you right now right. i think is what they're sort of going for i want both and then <laughs> but what if you can't have both oh, no. Oh, no. what if you have to wait for charming no oh mm. i'll give that some thought <laughs> i don't have an answer so this could actually be the um, um, solution to uh, a potential bourbon problem we're having, Heather. A potential bourbon problem, <laughs> which segues nicely into <laughs> the uh, the article that I read recently, which is um, by Eater, uh, which is an awesome food website. Um, and they, they did this whole um, article recently, you know, it's called, Is U.S. Uh, Poised to Run Out of Bourbon? So this is a whole thing lately, right? It's like, oh, everybody's drinking bourbon lately. We're going to run out, especially you fucking ladies. We just figured out what bourbon is. How oh, dare you? Can't you just drink your Cosmos and your Sex on it's the like Beach peak and be oil. happy? It's peak bourbon. Oh, they talk about peak oil. Do they really? <laughs> so, so, um, so they talked to two people here. Uh, there's a pro and a con. Well, not a, I shouldn't say a pro and a con. There's a yes, bourbon is in a shortage. No, bourbon is not in a shortage. Ooh. So... 
the uh, the person here who I guess I should read these people's names. Who is this? I don't know. I'm gonna have to look at it later. Why there is a bourbon shortage? It's uh, on Whiskey Advocates um, blog online. <clears throat> so you know the the argument that there is a bourbon shortage is that. So in the last 10 years, bourbon drinking has gone up about 40%, which is, you know, that's a lot. Pretty significant. Yeah, we talked about that before, about how, like, palates have changed and people are drinking more bourbon. And how there have been actual, like, shortages of certain kinds. You know, like, Maker's Mark went through that whole uh, uh, kerfuffle a couple years ago where they were going to reduce their alcoholic content of it to try to, like, you know, straighten out or uh, thin out their brand. Um, other, uh, but related whiskeys have done sort of rolling, like, I'm not even sure I want to call them rolling shortages, but sort of rolling, like, oh, we're not going to ship to you this week, but we'll ship to you next week. Like Knob Creek and some other, um, Jack Daniels, um, or I should say Jim Beam. And so I I don't know if I should make my comments now or go through both (laughs) arguments, but I will say that I feel like we're... It's a little hard to judge, and I would actually like to hear if we have um, some non-big city listeners who have experience in this, because in D.C., it's like, oh, people are always okay. going to be shipping their bourbon here. Like, ha- like that's a good point. Yeah. Jen, Kelly, mm-hmm. have you ever been, like, have you ever gone to a no. store and have them not had the bourbon that Absolutely you want? Absolutely not. No. And of course, we're not also, like, going and buy four, buying four roses, like, every four days, right? So it's sort of a little hard to judge. No, but I've never seen a hole in the in the exactly, shelf. Right? shelf right? I mean, or if there was, it was like, oh, we just haven't gotten our shipment in, to, right. like, this week, which is typically on, like, a blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm-hmm. We're know? totally in a bubble, though. I right. mean, that's... Yeah. Cat, Whitney, Utah. You tell us. Um, so I will say that one of the um, one of the people quoted in here uh, is actually a DC uh, Joe Riley, the fine spirits manager of Ace Beverage in DC. Oh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know where that is. Do you know where that is? I want to say maybe. Yeah, like so up anyway. maybe? he says know. the demand is far outstripping existing supplies. Concurs Joe Riley of Ace Beverage. Anyway, so then we go to the why there's not a bourbon shortage. So let me it, it's brief. Let me get through these and then we'll 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 discuss. Pro and con, because I have, <laughs> I have feelings. Um, so this guy, Richard Thomas of the Whiskey Reviewer, says the word shortage implies a 1970s gas line scenario, and nothing like that is happening in bourbon. He makes the case that basically, like, you can still find bourbon wherever you go, and it's not bourbon. Like, there are, to have some minor shortages in one brand does not mean that there's a bourbon shortage. And to, like, underline the point... All these major producers are expanding right now. They're not shutting down supplies. Yeah. They're expanding. They're buying property, like property, <laughs> building warehouses and building more bourbon. They're just ramping up for it. So the fact that you may, on one visit to your one store, not be able to buy the Knob Creek that you were looking for, you're going to have to buy one of the other 60 bourbons that they carry. Yeah. It's not really a... Right. Shortage. So that's mm. that's the argument. And I have to say that I I have no evidence in I have no anecdotal evidence that there's a bourbon shortage. I have no actual evidence that there's a bourbon shortage. I think it's it's a little it's it's fascinating. Like this guy, well, he's like the Manhattan's Flatiron Room, which has a whiskey list of a thousand bottles. Not only does it continue to grow, but they can it, it, it not only are they fine, but they continue to grow. He says, I don't think there's a bourbon shortage. I think we're going to be fine. It's interesting because when you own an on-premise business, you know there's stuff going on with Alec. Well, this is boring. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of whiskey out there. They keep making it. They keep aging it. It's like there's like there's no bourbon shortage. So you can go to any corner store and buy bourbon. So 
Right. And even if you run an establishment where you're like, you've always made this one cocktail that uses, you know, that uses the the Forty Creek Copper Pot Reserve. And then, oh, my God, one week they don't have a case of it for you. So you fucking use something else. Mm-hmm. And then the next week it's back. I mean, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine this is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because it it's not seem... oil or like no. water or, or any sort of. Because you go to the liquor store and there's thousands of bottles on unless, the shelf. Unless their point is like. Oh my god, we're working our way through all those aged stores, and then, I mean, and we're we have to start f- like but say, they but they didn't make that point, right? Right. They're like, if you're looking for a specific type of whiskey and you need it on this day, it's true that you may not be able to find it. I on- can't even find the yogurt that I want. Sometimes, <laughs> I mean, this is ridiculous. Like, yeah. are you yeah, out exactly, of the exactly. Faya two percent yeah, cherry? Because green like, yogurt's super big. I better right write now. an article about it because I can't. There's find a yogurt shortage. There's and that's happened more than once. I think I think I need to write an expose. Don't I mean, worry, we'll keep destroying the earth because you guys keep eating your Greek yogurt. Yeah. Um, All right, moving on. But I do, but I do I do like your point about yeah. Are we just blowing through the aged process? Oh, didn't they um, say in there um, that more bourbon makers are putting the non-aged? That is true. So expression on their on their bottles. They call it the NAS label, yeah. non-aged something, um, and they'll. They'll do that so that they can blend whiskeys. So especially mm. because blending, we talked about this last time that blending whiskeys is becoming a little more popular again. Mm-hmm. And so some, and you know, there's no names in here. Like we don't actually know who's doing this are blending. And it's probably some of the, like the lower, like bottom shelf whiskeys are doing their regular age. So to do, to be a straight bourbon or a straight whiskey, you have to age it two years, but to be a bourbon at all, you don't have to age it at all. You just have to put it in the barrel, get it out immediately. So you can technically do that and then blend your whiskeys with some of that non-aged mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. So they have said that there are some people who are doing that. But like, if you're buying your stuff that has a label on it, I mean, it's still the same stuff. So if you're right. buying your bottom shelf whiskey and you don't really care, <clears throat> you're not, you don't really care anyway, you know, like right. just buy what you buy. And those of yeah. us who buy mid, mid shelf, mid to top shelf, have not had any problems. So yeah. I think they're full of it. <laughs> I appreciate this, we'll, though, because there know, was a bunch of... I feel we'll like there was a bunch of years. scare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ten years. <laughs> yeah. But in ten years, they'll have aged at least That's some of the ten-year mm-hmm. stuff. Right. So, so I who cares? In the or they'll use your... Use they'll the use Kelly's six-day six six day process. And so... 20, well, I'll be drinking 20-year-old whiskey. Yeah. I Computer. Think so. We're fine. <laughs> whiskey on the rocks. Someone yeah. please make us a beep boop boop sound. sound. <laughs> a midi. <laughs> a midi. That's what we need. We need Gene to come here with his like keyboard. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. From Bob's Burgers. Sorry, Gene. You know Gene. Our friend yeah, Gene. Gene our, friend, our friend Gene. Gene Burger. With the keyboard. With the That's all for this episode for Whiskey Cats. Call us and tell us your favorite whiskey memory at 202-760-2009 or email us your favorite whiskey memories at whiskeycatspodcast at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You can also find us at whiskeycats.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at whiskey underscore cats. Thanks for listening. Cheers. It makes me laugh and sing. Give it to me, Papa. I'm all about that thing.
whiskey cats. How do I feel about whiskey cats? Yeah, that's a great question, Gus. I'm surprised it took this long for you guys to figure out how to record these conversations. 